So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us with whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type two collagen. Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. So kind of describe the conversation you have with we had with your dad in making the film and was prior to this conversation were you already used to ha- talking with your dad about different things about his upbringing and stuff or was this quite a turning point for how you understood and related with your dad um i like to say that we always talk like on any topic yeah, yeah. we always do but i guess it's just him opening up on history that i didn't know before um, because these mm. thoughts, because obviously with the interview I did, essentially it was like an interview style documentary. But I, I, I basically mm. trimmed all the parts to make it sound like a whole documentary style animation, essentially. And mm. asking certain specific questions that I didn't ask before, you know, like, oh, how do you feel about these particular parts? Like, what was kind of coursing through your mind when going here? You don't really normally ask your parents mm. how they feel. <laughs> they kind of just. That, that's they, a good point. Yeah. They, they generally just, you know always check up on you you know uh, the fact that yeah when you check on your parents and stuff it's kind of like you flip it on them and it's like wait you're kind of not going to expect the answer you know like maybe you'll have like a mm. a surface level response like, yeah i'm good i'm fine everything's all right but when you delve deep mm. into it for a particular purpose it's actually quite yeah. interesting and i feel like i made sure that when i did ask the questions i didn't ask too many deep questions but it's just genuine questions that I wouldn't ask my parents you know or my dad and mm-hmm. so it really helped kind of understand how he was going through certain things. Although the whole actual mm-hmm. interview was an hour and a half, I had to literally trim it for like, mm. what? Was it three and a half? Yeah, weeks? I feel you. It was stressed. That's what my podcast experience yeah, has been like, like, especially starting off with my Faith Talk podcast. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine that. Literally, yeah. Mm. yeah. It's like a lot of good jelly drops in it. And I would like to touch up on it and mm. refine it, you know, because... Originally, I was meant to mm. actually do the thing you're doing, like rural media, like a proposal of a, a segment of my dad's migration film. I try and expand on it. Mm. I was planning on doing that. Yeah. But then, of course, I did, um, well, let me try and refine the film a bit more and actually have yeah. Yeah, a bit more of a, although it's great what it is now, I know I could have done a better mm. job in terms of making it more, you know, meshing animation well with the actual visuals. Because mm. I know at the time I was given, I, was, I felt like even with the extension, it still felt rushed to mm. me, like as a self critic. I feel yeah, you. I feel you. Yeah. So I really wanted to like refine it and do what I can because I know the program you have you have up until thirty to actually apply for it. So I know mm. that time is there, but I don't want to wait too long because that's like what another seven years from now. <laughs> I want to make sure I have yeah. something ready so I can present and then have the proposal and everything. So I got the details and kept it on tab so that I know I have something to work towards. Mm. So that's always like a motivation there, but. Mm. The conversation generally was like, it wasn't what I expected, definitely. I wasn't expecting the answer, to be honest. Mm. There was some stuff I knew, but it was unlocking certain things in his mind that I managed to apply mm. in the film. Some parts it didn't show because it was too long. 
Um, but yeah. with a whole production team, I can imagine that it would be something quite enjoyable. I think anyone would like to watch something like that, to be honest, you know. You don't get Definitely, stories. yeah. You don't get a lot of those. Because animated documentaries are quite new, in a way. They're not really shown. Yeah. They're not really taken, like, as a go-to in terms of communicating a message, you know. Normally, animation is seen as just a story, a form of just, you know, uh, theatre practice or drama or a particular, you know, show. Yeah. So but, but it's a form of journalism when you think about yeah, it. It is still a legitimate form of journalism. It is, it is, yeah. Bro, this I could go on a whole other tangent on animated documentaries because I, I don't know if I I don't know if I told you, but I my final dissertation was actually focused on how black animators have used the art form, have used the medium of animated documentaries to communicate various ethnic experiences so i don't think i sent it to you to read i'll, I'll, I'll send yeah, you the pdf so out. you can read it um yeah but as you can so this is the segment where we talk about various animators that inspire us mm. um for me particularly as a black animator if i'm perfectly honest it's not been easy to find role models mm. um i know of a very old, he's quite an elderly man now, but one of the early animators in Disney. I forgot his name. Um, you, you've, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he helped make some iconic um, animated movies. Like, um, I think he helped on The Hunchback of Notre Dame and some other two of the 2D classics. Um, oh, his name has escaped me. Yeah, like um, but yeah, he's... Yeah, like, oh, did he animate animals really well? I think so, yeah. Because all I can think of is probably Aaron Blaze. Like, I can think of, he's quite old as well. Uh, I mean, I know he works on Yeah, that's not the name. It's, it's another guy. Um, His name has escaped me, but he's one of the more popular examples of oh. black animators. Um, But in terms of British ones, it was very hard for me to find them. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I found one, uh, I found uh, a black, well, two black female animators, British, um, one called Mary Martins, who is Nigerian, um, and another who has an, uh, a Jamaican heritage, Jessica Ashman. Um, so shout out Jessica Ashman if she's ever listening to this. Uh, I engaged with her on Instagram recently. Um, but the, I included them in my um, dissertation, looking at their animated documentaries. One of Mary's one explored her childhood memory of being in Nigeria in the late 80s. Uh, when she was about four years old. And similar to what you did, Hashim, she used collagen. Mm. And I think collagen is a great, I, I really dissect this a lot in the essay, but it, it's emerging of the real experience and a child's perceived experience. Mm. So what again, me and you can resonate with how animation delves into the the subconscious and how, you know, all of us as people have our own internal worlds and it's the it's the abstract use of color and image that can really have an emotive can create an emotive connection with the audience in a way that live film might not be able to um and so i feel like something like that can really transcend you know cultural barriers that you know the audience might have with the person wh that the documentary is about you know um so it, animation is a very universal medium the images colors and uh, symbols referenced are much more universal. So there's not that, it's not, there's not as much of a racial or cultural barrier in the audience connecting 
with the people in the documentary. So, um, yeah, so those are some kind of my some of my examples that I've looked up to. Um, but yeah, kind of delve into what animators have inspired you. Are any of them also sort of black? Do you kind of relate with them culturally or anything like that? Um, All right, cool. Um, so the animation, I remember this is, I had the same question with my lecturer. I don't know if you know, you probably know him from well, Stuart. <laughs> Stuart from Derby. Good old Stuart, yeah, yeah. I like Stuart. <laughs> good, good lad, yeah. Um, I remember he asked me the same thing, like, obviously, but then you're right, the person. To be mm. honest with him, I didn't tell him any convincing animators I looked up to. I was like, I'm in it, I like this mm. form, I like this art form, let me just get into it straight, you know? But of mm. course, they need to give some examples. A lot of animators I told him really were stuff from the internet, like internet animators that I watched on Newgrounds and stuff. A lot of like all these flash animation type of guys. Like, I did list out a few yeah. when I was younger, like Alan Becker, uh, Flying Panda. Oh yeah, Alan, Alan Becker's Becker. great, yeah. He's a great anime, you know, anime. All these kind of like mm. internet ones, because I absorbed YouTube a lot. Yeah. And Jazza, Jazza is probably the most example. Yeah, Jazza is a popular one as well, yeah, because he was kind yeah. of like, Although I didn't grow up, grow up watching him, I kind of saw him more like during, um, I guess something like sometime, yeah, I guess towards end of my secondary school years, I was I was more exposed to jazz. Mm-hmm. But Alan Becker was like from early, like back when I was year six or seven. Um, you go out to see a lot of internet animators. So I remember I just listed a bunch of those. He had no idea who I was talking about. And then he saw them. He's like, oh, this is pretty cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, because it's just yeah. all internet stuff. It wasn't like a traditional classic. Uh, big, you know, big industry people. Mm. But right now, I'd say that because obviously the yeah, the Sean Thomas, right? Um, he was very much like he mm. did a lot of like uh, storyboard layout. He did he did a majority of the storyboards and the layouts for directing the Boondocks, right? So it's from seasons one. To Two or seasons mm. one and three. Yeah, Aaron McGruder. Yeah, Aaron. yeah. I looked at him. I think I told you that I did an essay on him in yeah. the second yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. He told me yeah. something on him like that. And yeah, I, and with because he just did the story, right? But with the actual animation director mm. and all that type of stuff, it was generally um, what do you call it? Um, LaShawn Thomas. And what I like about mm. him, he literally delves both Eastern agricultural visuals with the Western style and how they merge up together. Mm. Similar to Avatar as well. How that's not really an anime. It's kind of like a Western Nickelodeon show, but it has a lot of anime influence. Yeah. So those. Have, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I was kind of into that type of stuff, mm. and it was like, and even mm. with um, LaShawn Thomas, he even booted his own actual anime series called um, Black, um, Pan mm. and Busters, which is on Netflix now. It's been on Netflix for like a past year now, but seeing like an actual mm. black uh, actually creator producing an anime like with the whole animation staff and team, but having his credit, like, that was quite inspiring. Mm. Like to see his journey, but then. Looking at that when I was younger, I was like, oh, this is really cool stuff, you know. Um, mm. In terms of black animators, I wouldn't say I've got too many, to be honest. It generally is yeah. very much inspired by what I like. And, yeah, and enough, I do yeah. like I do like to actually research more because this would be good for, mm. this is like good research as well, you know, finding out how do they mm. communicate their own voices, right? With the, with the medium of animation. Yeah. Um, recently now, I've been checking out for the last year, um, this animation studio in Japan called um, the DR Studio. So they're like, uh, it's, a, it's a first black-owned studio in Japan. And they, wow. um, they're a small studio. They do commercials and TV ads and stuff like that. And they even work on some anime mm-hmm. as well, some segments from certain big shows. And they produce like, the 2D art style, that type of stuff, traditional style animation, all that type of thing. 
And mm. for the past year, they've been creating a lot of attraction, like now, because they worked on a few yeah. series. They did the weekend uh, music video recently. So he's a huge artist as well. So they find that. Oh, yeah. Oh, for Snow Child, Yeah, Snow right? Child, yes. That, made that, yeah. that song, and yeah. That animated uh, visuals, they produced the whole thing. So mm. that's why he probably had a lot of influence if you look wow. at it. Um, so I've been watching them for the past mm. year, and that's genuinely like someone I'm looking up to. They have like a vlog as well they do on a weekly basis, just talk about the studio, their practices, certain themes, topics. So I'm really digging that type of uh, project and all the access to what they do, especially from mm. Black Creative. And it's quite interesting to see that as well. Yeah. So I really enjoy what they do. Yeah. So they're cool. Yeah, Star Jack. Thank you a few of their yeah. videos and stuff and check them out. Yeah, yeah. Send me some links yeah. to the that studio and the Sean Thomas's work. Oh yeah, Floyd Norman. That was the guy I was oh, thinking Floyd. of earlier. Okay. Um Floyd Norman. I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, but yeah, he's probably one of the more famous examples of black animators mm. in history. But yeah, I think even the examples we touched on there in terms of black animators and what they've worked on, there seems to be this, again, this interesting fusion of black and Asian mm. culture and, you know, how the black community resonates with anime. And even growing up, you know, I have I know a lot of black friends who just love anime, you know. Um, so there's that's, that's an interesting cultural link. And I think um, in terms of from what I know so far and what we've discussed, it seems that us as black animators, we're finding our voices through the merging with, you know, Asian audiences and Asian culture and anime culture. Like that's quite a big, that's played kind of a big role in quite a few an black animators kind of expressing themselves. So I think that's interesting. And also, um, I was, where was I going with this? Um, yeah, in, in, in terms of independent animation and us telling our stories as black people, I think um, hip hop is also another thing. You know, me and you can probably think of uh, various shows like the regular show that I've had get black, you know, famous rappers <laughs> guest on there, like Tyler, <clears throat> the creator. And um, even in the boondocks, loads of references to the hip hop scene. Um, what other, what other popular shows did we watch growing up? I remember, I remember Rick, and Moy, Rick and Moy, they featured a bit of A Boogie. Yeah, yeah. and Logic <laughs> as well. They featured Logic as well. So... Yeah, they featured a few. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I like that. And I, I can see that there's a lot of similarities between animation and hip-hop and how these two sort of art forms share a lot in the sense that they're both relatively new art forms. They're very indicative of the modern age that we're living in. And there's a free spirit that flows in both media forms, you know, where, you know, in animation, you've got all these different caricatures of, you know, what it means to be a man, what it means to be um, black. And, you know, you've got animation, which really can heighten that and stretch the imagination of, I guess, excellence. So that's another interesting relationship that I'm trying to merge. And I don't know if you've seen much of my animations, but... Um, you might have seen that I like to merge animation with spoken word and even this short film that I'm working on now, which I've now called Mental Roots. So the the short film I'm working on now is called Mental Roots, same as the podcast. Um, I'm still yeah. exploring the merging of spoken word and rap and how that can really complement animation well in terms of kind of expressing my cultural voice. Um, so moving forward, um, 
you know, you found out for yourself that animation is a great way for you to express your own heritage, your own unique identity. Um, what what are your goals moving forward? How do you want to keep pushing the art form of animation to express yourself culturally? What would you like to see more in the animation industry in terms of representation? Um, and yeah, just, yeah, give us your closing thoughts on that. Ah, cool. So, plans I have really is, I love to make my own films, you know. Mm. Um, series at the moment, I'm not sure, but I would like to focus on films in terms of like, you know, getting out, you know, uh, good, I guess you could think, you can kind of say like, um, uh, pieces of work out there, you know. Mm. Um, although, depending on how well that goes, I could potentially think of a series in the future, but I do want to get films out there, you know. Mm. I'm not going to try and go with the long, long films. I yeah. do want to see, because I know the attention span of this generation, they're not willing to watch You're, that you're speaking long truth, film. bro. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I would like to, like, capture a good, concentrate, like, you know, good amount of time, like a chunk of time where someone would actually take the time to watch yeah. it, maybe on a lunch break at work, maybe on the, you know, whilst uh, going for a run, whatever, I yeah. don't know, on the treadmill, or even just chilling at home, right? Just yeah. Anything that would be convenient for them, but, you know, I would like to actually touch a, delve a few topics. Some of it would be obviously fictional fantasy. Mm -hmm. Then other parts I'd like to kind of like give back to my community as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because, like I said before, I haven't, I haven't seen much um, Islamic content growing up, to be honest. Mm. A lot of it was maybe just, you know, um, uh, things I used to watch a lot when I was young was like stuff like Zaki, um, essentially like this blue animated bird, but it was like an Australian production company. Okay. They used to like teach Islam through that, like basics, right? Basic mm. But I noticed in the Islamic world, a lot of it is just the basic room at the elementary level, like kids stuff. They don't really have a lot of content for teens, young adults, yeah. and older. Mm. They're quite content with that particular world. Yeah. They kind of see animation like very, they see it just for kids, yeah. which is quite ignorant because yes. it should be a form that can, anyone can enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. And because of that, we're quite, we're quite behind in the aspect, you know, mm. like, um, I remember I used to have, do an internship with, uh, I used to do like this graphic design internship before uni and I was helping out one of um, uh, my employer essentially with a few apps or a few app uh, designs because he's like an app development company. He used to tell me a lot like, bro, when you do uni, when you go uni to do animation, make sure you get as much as you can because our communities are suffering. That's true. <laughs> like generally, our, our kids genuinely don't know like, they're more gravitated towards what's given because like, this is pumped out all the time like yeah. all this content, right? Yeah. We're not given variety. We're not given much variety like with perspectives as much mm. we're kind of kind of the same thing but different people different narratives right definitely and it's important to allow kids to kind of grow and kind of figure, figure out themselves mm. through characters but they look at characters like their role models sometimes real, real talk so, yeah especially if they come from a very insecure place or whatever mm -hmm. to have something like that to kind of plant seeds to kind of like understand themselves a bit more mm -hmm. is very important so yeah. I do have plans to produce stuff for my community to give back of course but I guess it would come with me experimenting with my style, experimenting with how I communicate my message, my my yeah. developing a personal voice, getting content out there. Um, yeah. But ultimately, to enjoy what I produce, man, that's the main thing. That that's what really For counts, real. you know. And yeah, there's a lot of hurdles, but I'm willing to go the you know I'm willing to go down the route. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like you touched on something important there, which is you know enjoying it, like especially, you know, the things you touched on in terms of the representation you want to see in animation in terms of Islam and faith and 
uh, obviously what it means to be an ethnic minority and all these various experiences that you have that you want to see more in the animation industry. What I found with me is that sometimes, I don't know if you relate to this, but sometimes I feel like it's a burden and it's like, there's that's even more pressure on me to be like innovative and like, if I don't have good ideas, then it's not just me I've let my... I've let down, maybe it's my community or my family that I'm letting down because, you know, so I think it, obviously this can apply to any sector in society, regardless of what profession you have, you know, whether you're a lawyer or someone working in journalism, if you are an ethnic minority, there's always this sense of, I need to do well in telling the other side of the story. And, you know, there, there's this sort of like, you know, you, I'm sure you heard that, in your life that you have to work twice as hard as your peers to to make it and stuff like that and we have all these things that we absorb and it's like sometimes that does take a toll on us mentally but we need to come back to the drawing board and think okay why did i start doing this art form in the first place i did it because yeah. i enjoy it uh I, and i want to express my story it's not always about carrying the weight of everyone on my shoulders you know it's it's, yeah. I, it's just yeah. i got to do what i enjoy and it's got to come from that place you know um so i definitely resonate with what you just said regarding that and yeah i kind of relate relate in terms of the christ the you know the religion in animation as well and i kind of feel the same with christian animation there's probably more examples of child um animated content for children because christianity seems to be more popular in western society but um, even then, like, I can't think of any Christian animation um, that targets, you know, like you said, young people, teenagers. And to be fair, a lot can be said about the animation industry on a whole, right? There is a lot of content out there for children. But what, where's the respected animated content for, you know, young people slash adults? And by that, I don't mean The Simpsons and Family Guy and all that comedy stuff, like... We're talking stuff that actually evokes deeper emotions in you, you know, the independent filmmakers who are doing great animated documentaries on very nuanced topics. Like it's a very, I still feel like animation is a very high art thing where you don't really know much about the various independent things that are there unless you're actually interested in the industry. But the common consumer in regular society don't know about these sort of, indie sort of animators you know they only know about the commercial stuff and you know i i that's kind of something i want to see change that and it is changing you know with the internet it's much more easier for independent animators to be recognized and to be entered on different platforms like what i'm doing now the new creative scheme my animation will be shown on bbc iplayer and these bigger platforms so the 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 tables are turning a little bit but that's kind of what I want to see more of is that more nuanced perspectives will be told through animation and through the internet. So, um, mm, yeah. Sure. It's really cool stuff, to be honest, because mm. what essentially how the shift is going, like you said, the internet, mm. you essentially, as long as you have the right, as long as you have the equipment and you've got internet access, you can produce from literally a bedroom and that's, yeah. you don't need to worry about overhead and stuff. Like we're in a time where, especially a lockdown, there's really no excuse to not produce, you know, like yeah. we have all the tools at disposal. This probably wasn't going to be a possibility 20 years ago. Mm. And just like the time really is now, man. It's just yeah. pretty much just having a perspective, understanding if you don't do it now, 
mm-hmm. no one asked me to do it, you know. So I do relate the burden. The burden part definitely is mm-hmm. a big factor with it could demotivate sometimes. But yeah. understand that enjoying the journey is very important, you know. Like it's mm-hmm. good to be ambitious, don't get me wrong, but it's yeah. good to know when to like, you know, it's good to it's good to say no to the project sometimes when you feel like maybe mm-hmm. your all is not you know, because you may you may you may advance well in a, in your career, but yeah. you may take a toll to your, yourself as like your brand, your identity, all these things. Yeah. So be, yeah. be selective, being selective is very important as well mm. for yourself as well as for your career or your reputation in this case. So yeah, mm. it's pretty cool stuff, honestly. Like yeah. it's quite it, it's just because it's, that's the that's, that's the path of entrepreneurship as well, isn't it? Like being self-made or at least building something for yourself, right? It's like not an easy task at all, you know. And being funded is like the tools are there, it's so easy, but then anyone can do it, you know. So what makes you stand out is important, you know. So whatever you can produce, just try and do it, you know, the best you can. And and always make sure you ask for feedback as soon as possible. So that at least you can be building up. That's it, man. But yeah, that's it. So I guess the way I want to look at it in terms of what I want to see more of the industry, which is simply be like Having like more a catalog to more, I guess, diverse content as well. You know, I, I guess the commercial stuff is very popular, but having other platforms so people can actually go out and dedicate and research certain things to learn a bit more about certain things would be important as well. Because you learn a lot, learn a lot from watching stuff a lot, especially with animation stuff. This can educate a lot more than a book, possibly, you know, or a lot than a journal, an article, and stuff. It's like our responsibility to do the research and then obviously produce the yeah yeah and and not just do the research but inform each other as well i think again this is just a micro example of a much bigger issue that we're looking at again bringing it back to being uh, um, black in western society like we need to help each other pass we need to pass each other information right those of us who are more established in the industry what are we doing to reach out to other people? What are we doing to make people know and make ourselves accessible to the next generation? You know, those who are just starting, you know, just like us, we not too long ago, we were starting uni into this new world of animation. And it will be so cool if there's very accessible resources online where young black people who are trying to get into this industry where they might not see many people like them, they already see that there's initiatives out there to empower them. So it's like, okay, maybe I can flourish in the, in this industry because I can see people succeeding in it and they're getting their voices out there. They've got these initiatives going. Uh, and speaking of initiatives, there's one called Visible in Visuals, right? Um, you can follow, I'll send you the link to follow them on Instagram. Um, but Visible in Visuals, they're a new initiative uh, of black British animators, well, ethnic minority um, animators. And I think they're about a team of four at the moment. Um, shout out Tanya J. Scott and some of the other people in there as well, if they ever listen to this. Um, but they've started a segment on um, the Squiggly podcast. I don't know if you've heard of the Squiggly podcast uh, no. um, by Ben Mitchell. Ben Mitchell is uh, an animator and he's got he's, his podcast is quite big. He's a British animator and he's has in, interesting conversations there. Um, so he's a white guy, but he he has allowed visible and visuals to start a little segment in his podcast, which talks about um, diversity and inclusion in the animation industry. So you can check out their podcast. They've just released their first kind of episode within that podcast. Okay. Um, so that's, 
Yeah, so that's the Squiggly Animation Podcast and you'll find the visible and visual segment in there. Um, so I'm following them on social media and I'm still researching other initiatives um, that other young, like that are supporting young black creatives. There's another one as well. Um, I'll see if I can find them. One sec. Oh, where are they? Um, I think it's called Culture and Craft or something like that. Let me just search it up. Culture in the Craft, that's what it's called. So that's another podcast that's completely led by um, quote unquote ethnic minority sort of um, designers who work in animation and games, VR and AR, digital art, visual effects. So they've, they've been going for a while. They've talked to, they've had an interview with Jessica Ashman a while back and they've done like reviews on, you know, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse as well. And, you know, they critique lo lots of sort of up-to-date things that are happening in the animation world in terms of representation and empowerment and things like that. So um, there's all these different things. There's also the Black Women, the Black Woman Animator podcast, which I think is, mainly based on the black female American experience in animation. So there's quite a few podcasts out there, but it's just a question of how, how do young upcoming artists know about these things, yeah. you know? So it's like, I'd like to see more accessibility in that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where my headspace is at, at the moment. And even if you're not an animator listening to this, but you're a young black person who's, um, passionate about any industry you can take what we've discussed today and apply it to your own practice and think about ways that you can share information that you are gaining in your field because we need to empower each other in these times um, as young people who are trying to break cycles and break new ground and we should create them role models that we want to see you know a lot of us know what it was like growing up looking at the tv watching our favorite cartoons and different dramas and you know, looking back, we wish we saw more positive role models to inspire us on the media. Now's our time to be the role models that we never saw. Um, and so that's kind of my big um, statement that I want to leave with. Are there any closing words that you have or you 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 feel like you've said everything that needs to be said? Yeah, I think, I've, yeah. To be honest, I don't know what I've said. <laughs> I'm going to watch back and see what <laughs> I've said. But yeah, because I don't do stuff like this. This is like it's good. I think it's important to kind of get, you know, it's good to get be in conversations with other creatives as well, you know. So like bounce back concepts and ideas, yeah. understanding that because I'm in I'm in an environment that's not really creative at all. I'm kind of like big brother, just getting by, doing what I need to do. So it's just a yeah. pleasure. It's quite a pleasure to speak yeah. to today, you know, just having a few ideas and concepts mm. just thrown out there, you know. And then overall, it's just a nice conversation, man. Just hopefully this project that we will end up mm. doing, God willing. Does really work out, man. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah, looking forward to working with you on this current project I'm doing. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting this age we live in on <laughs> with internet collaboration and just transferring files on Google Drive. Yeah, I look forward to that. Yeah, that's um, it's just it's just what well, we just we're just doing what we got, you know. Like before, yeah. it's USB drive, you have to travel, all that stuff, go to class, but yeah. now I just send stuff. It's just crazy, crazy time. Yeah, yeah man. Okay, well, yeah, so give your details. Where can people follow you on social media? Well, what's the website? Just give the address and then, 
yeah, just all the platforms you're on, any things that you want people to check out or look forward to in the future, just plug all the information you want. Okay, so pretty much I'm most active now on um, Twitter. So a lot of the time I'm just reposting a lot of artists that I like, a lot of stuff, content I like. So I'm just on there pretty much. Just That's like my inspiration hub Twitter. And, but mm. in terms of posting content and stuff, you can follow my Instagram, which is just H-theory by H-theory Animations. Um, the same thing is for my website as well, www.h3animations.com. Um, so pretty much my portfolio is there. Um, I wouldn't say it's up to date yet, but I am planning to update mm. it because I do have my most updated content on my Instagram. But yeah, so mm. you can just check me out there. And so far, I don't have yeah. nothing new um, that's up and coming, but I will definitely keep um, my social media posted on projects I'll be working on. But yeah. That's good. And yeah, everyone, please follow him on Instagram. Follow. Let's support these young creatives and... Um, yeah, go on his website, check out the migration short film so that you know <laughs> what we were talking about. And um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening to this episode. Take care. Um, again, DM me on Instagram or Twitter if uh, if this podcast is inspiring you in any way or yeah, you just want to talk a bit more about what we've discussed. So uh, take care, guys, and peace. Unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably been hearing a lot about the stock market lately. Millions of people are beginning to invest for the first time ever. And we're realizing that the financial system should be built to work for us. That's why Robinhood is creating real human education resources, truly digestible financial news, and a platform that lets you invest in your own way, on your own terms. The next generation of investors is already here, and it includes you. Robinhood. Investing is risky. Robinhood Financial, LLC. I'm Robert Conti, Chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. I have an urgent message. Unfortunately, traffic fatalities have increased in D.C., and I need your help to reverse this troubling trend. Did you know that using a seatbelt can drastically reduce the risk of death or serious injury to you or a loved one? Seatbelts save lives, and together we can accomplish a safer community. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Always wear your seatbelt. Click it or ticket.